Well, today we're going to be in Joshua 1. Joshua 1, it's a sixth book of the Old Testament. Just start from Genesis, and uh, it's after Deuteronomy. This is about being strong and courageous, and that is what God has called each and every one of you that is in Christ to be strong and courageous. It's pretty significant. It's significant to me that one of the biblical names of Christ is Wonderful Counselor. We look into his word. His word counsels us. It is one of our responsibilities as believers in Christ uh, when we are meeting together, when we are in fellowship, when we are discipling one another, discipling another person, that we are to encourage or counsel them. And we're to encourage or counsel them with the word. We know that he is the word, and the word brings life. The word does not bring death. Satan brings death, but the word of God brings life. He is the highest and most ultimate one that we should turn to, to draw from the deep well of living water that his word is. His word is sufficient in times of despair, confusion, fear, anxiety, and depression. Psalm 119 And 19 are some favorite psalms of mine. They are full of the wisdom and counsel that his word provides. His word talks about that his word restores and refreshes. Nowhere else can you go for that. Nowhere else in this world can you go where it restores and refreshes you. If we claim Christ, there is only one way to live a strong and courageous life. And that is by the word of God. His word in scripture is referred to as the law. It's referred to as the testimony, the precepts, the commandments of the Lord. It's also referred to as the statute. And the statute, the word statute refers to being engraved in stone. You just can't take an eraser like you can with a pencil and erase what's been written. His word is engraved in stone. You cannot just wipe that away. It will live on forever. Forever is forever. God is infinite. What man has said will pass away, but what God has said will last forever. It is infinite. Rulers and kings will come and go, but the word of God has and will stand the test of time. I want to invite you, if you have not already, to open up your Bibles to Joshua 1, the book of Joshua. We will not only see that Joshua was commissioned by God to lead Israel out of the wilderness and into the promised land, but we will also realize that there is only one way to lead. And that is according to the word of God, is by the word of God. There is only one way to be strong and courageous. God and his word is the one true source of our strength and courage. Let's pray. Father God, you are an awesome God. Thank you for meeting every need that we have, the needs that we think we have, perhaps or not the needs that you know we we need to have. Uh, You are God. You know every thought that we think. Before we even think it, you know every word we're going to say before it comes out of our mouth. Lord, you know every hair on our head. You know every atom in our body. You know everything about us. Even though you are the creator of the universe, of all that is seen, Lord, you know us intimately. And Lord, thank you for your grace. Lord, thank you for your word. It gives life. It is living and active, and Lord, I thank you for what it has done in the hearts and the minds of people here today. Thank you for the transformation that's taken place, and thank you for the growth that that is seen. 
I pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, we're in Joshua chapter 1, and I'll read uh, verses 1 through 9. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. Verse 4, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Verse 6, be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land, which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua is poised to lead Israel into the promised land, the land of Canaan, the land flowing with milk and honey, a fertile land. Israel is at the end of its 40-year wilderness wanderings. Uh, Behind them is the wilderness, and before them is the promised land. God wants Joshua to be strong and courageous. Joshua needs to be absorbed by the word of God. Joshua needs to walk in obedience, that he would speak the word and then he would lead the people with the word. The people need Joshua to be strong and courageous. And in a sense, we have come out of slavery or the wilderness spiritually. We were formerly of the darkness, and God has brought us out into the light. He has regenerated us. He's taken us from darkness and brought us into light. He has transformed us. And he doesn't just do that uh, in a matter-of-fact way, it's a radical change. God wants, you, wants to lead you, lead us into the fullness of what he has prepared for each one of us. We cannot look back, but we must strive forward, be full steam ahead in God's power and might. Our lives as Christ's ones are full of wilderness meanderings and times of immense blessings of God. Incumbent in each one of us is that we be all that God says to Joshua here. And how to move forward. We need to learn from this. We must move forward by faith and obedience to the word of God. There is no messing around or procrastination when we walk by faith. You know, uh, New Year's Day is coming up. New Year's resolutions. If God is speaking to your heart and he's convicting you of you need to make some changes in your lives, don't wait for a New Year's resolution. Because all that is delayed obedience, all that is is disobedience to the word of God. And then you need to confess that sin too. So be quick to confess sin and be quick to respond to the conviction of God in your life. Now I wanted to give a little bit of a background here uh, to this whole uh, situation that Joshua's in, bringing the people in the promised land. I want you to turn back to Deuteronomy 31, just a few pages back. 
And here Moses speaks to the, uh, these words to all of Israel. Deut- Deuteronomy 31, verses 1 through 8. It says, So Moses went and spoke these words, words to all Israel. And he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I am no longer able to come and go. And the Lord has said to me, You shall not cross this Jordan. It is the Lord your God who will cross ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you shall dispossess them. Joshua is the one who will cross ahead of you, just as he, the Lord, has spoken. The Lord will do to them just as he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, and to the land when he destroyed them. Verse 5, The Lord will deliver them up before you, and you shall do to them according to all the commandments which I have commanded you. Here it is again. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them, for the Lord your God, I have to turn the page, is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Then Moses called to Joshua and said to him, In the sight of all Israel, be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall give it to them as an inheritance. The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. We can be strong because the Lord is with us. Without the Lord, we are weak. Jesus says in John fifteen five, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from Christ, we're nothing. That's why we need him. We're headed nowhere without Christ. Okay? If there is obstacles before us, God will remove them. If there are enemies, God will defeat them. If there are walls in your life that you have put up from the past, surrender to God and he will knock those walls down. God wants you to be more than you are, and he sees that in you. He wants you to surrender. God is with us to be for us so that we can be all that God has for us. Then God commissions Joshua in front of all the people in Deuteronomy, same chapter, 31, verse 23. Then he commissioned Joshua, the son of Nun, and said, Be strong and courageous. For you shall bring the sons of Israel into the land which I swore to them, and I will be with you. Are you starting to get it? What God is telling Joshua, what Moses told Joshua, what God is telling us as Christ ones, that we are to be strong and courageous, that we're to put our hope in Christ, put our hope in God, because that's the source of our strength. God will go before him, will walk with Joshua, that God will be behind him, over him, that God will surround him, that Joshua will be prosperous and successful within the will of God, and then Joshua will lead out in God's will. The primary fundamental quality that God needs from Joshua is to be strong and courageous. I don't know how, I'm not counting. How many times have I, have I said what the word of God says, to be strong and courageous? To be less than strong and courageous is unbelief. We are not to fear or be dismayed. God will not fail us or forsake us. Let's turn back to Joshua 1. And the first heading that I want you to take note of in Joshua 1 is the prerequisite, if I can pronounce that right, prerequisite for service to God. And here we are in verse 6. And what does verse 6 say? It says, be strong and courageous. If Joshua's task was to be easy, would there be any need for us to be strong and courageous? Would there be, be any need for him to be strong and courageous? Jesus says on this side of heaven, uh, there's, gonna be, there's enough trouble of its own. But in that same chapter in Matthew 6, 
he says, he tells us what we need to do. We need to seek him first. Okay? There will be obstacles. There will be challenges. There will be opposition. There will be enemies. And there will be difficulty and adversity. Do not take steps to move forward in the will of God. And then when you meet a challenge, decide to retreat and think that that's out of the will of God. Joshua had obstacles. Joshua had challenges. And he continued on. As God is leading, it requires that we be strong and courageous to fulfill what God has for us. And God tells Joshua three different times in verse 6 and 7 and 9, what does he say? Be strong and courageous. So what does it mean to be strong and courageous? Well, it means to be strong in the faith. It means to be strong in your commitment to the Lord. It means to be strong in your convictions, strong in trusting God. Strong in the word, be strong in God's grace, be strong in theology. You can't avoid it in the word of God. You have to be strong in the doctrines, the foundational doctrines of the word of God. To be used of God, it requires that we not be weak-willed. Ephesians 4.14 says that we are not to be tossed here and there, forth here and there by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. No longer can we be children in our spiritual growth in Christ. We are to grow up in the Lord, striving towards spiritual maturity. There's going to be spiritual warfare. We know that there, that goes on. There are battles in our faith. Let's turn to Ephesians 6.10, all the way to the other side in the New Testament. Ephesians 6.10. Love to hear those pages turning. Now, if they could just put on the page turning sound on the apps, that would work really good. But Paul says here, uh, and this is a familiar passage to all of you: the whole armor of God, the full armor of God. Verse ten, Ephesians six ten, he says, "Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might." It's a summation of everything that Paul has said. He. T- is talking to the church at Ephesus, and he says, Finally, summation, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Five of those six are in defense. But if you notice, the last one is the word of God. That is the sword of the Spirit. That is our offense. When we are confronted with temptation, when we are confronted with the battles of life, we need to know the word of God so that we can use it to profess truth, to claim truth. If you didn't notice, it says we are to stand firm. In in, uh, three verses there, we are to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. How do we know that? We need to know the word of God. How do we resist in the evil day? We are to stand firm. 
So therefore, we need to stand firm. We need to be strong and courageous. We need to stand firm. We need to not be walk in fear. We need, need to be, not in, uh, be dismayed. And how do we do that? We, from knowing the Word of God, being in the Word of God. Turn with me to 2 Timothy 2.1. couple books over. 2 Timothy 2.1. And Paul is writing to Timothy, his son in the faith. That's how he's referred to Timothy, his son in the faith. He says, my son Timothy, and here it is in 2 Timothy 2.1. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Timothy had been uh, become discouraged. He had been uh, caving into pressures. He was full of fear. And God was telling him, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Thank goodness for grace, right? You know, we make a lot of bad choices. We, I say a lot of stupid things. I won't say that you do. Uh, I say a lot of stupid things sometimes. I stick my foot in my mouth every once in a while. I was known for that when I was a kid. Um, you know, we, we, uh, we sin against God. But thank goodness for God's grace. There is no sin that is greater than God's grace. No matter what you've ever done in your life, grace can cover that. Grace does cover that. God's word to you is to be strong in that grace. The church needs strong men. They need bold men, men who know the word of God who can boldly handle the word of God, who can boldly proclaim truth. Men, and I know this isn't Father's Day because this is more of a um, for Father's Day type of thing, but men, your wives need you to be strong and courageous. They may not say that, but they need you to be strong and courageous. They need to see you handle the word of God. They need to see you when calamity, when adversity comes because it happens in families. They need to see you be strong and courageous. Your kids need to see strength and courage in your life when there are trials and uncertainty. So I have two questions for all of us, not just men. Are you turning to God and his word when those times come upon you? Men, are you directing your wife and kids to the strength and courage that can only be had from the word of God? The second heading that I want you to take notice is the promise of God's provision. We, back in Joshua 1, the promise of God's provision. Joshua 1, 6 says to Joshua, For you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. God keeps his promises. Just as he promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he will give them the possession of the land. If you look back in as we go back to verse 3 through 5, verse 3 says, Every place the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you. Do you notice the past tense of that? That God has already given it to them, that they're to walk in it. That God will give them the victory. God will be with them. He will defeat their enemies. God will give you the victory. God will be with you. He will defeat your enemies. And he wants you to be strong and courageous. Verse 4 says uh, here, God gives the dimensions of the promised land from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun will be your territory. 
this promised land, this fertile land that they are entering into. It sits at the intersection of three continents, virtually the epicenter of the globe. It is where Europe to the north, northwest, and Africa from the south, and where the wilderness was in Asia to the east merged together. It is the choicest land. It is a fertile land. God is saying to them, I will give you houses you did not build. I will give you the trees that you did not plant. I will give you the water that you did not store. It is going to be yours. It is the promised land. And then God says to Joshua in verse 5, No man will be able to stand before you. God says, I will be with you just as I was with Moses. His promise of divine power is for Joshua's task. And God says, I will not fail you nor forsake you. So move forward by faith. Move forward by faith in whatever God has convicted you on or um, probed your heart for. Move forward by faith. Trust him with all your heart. God has made this promise to us spiritually. Jesus said in John 10.10, even though the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus has come to give you life and give it more abundantly, to give it to the full. John 1.16 says there will be grace upon grace. 2 Peter 1.2 says there will be multiplied grace. God has plans for your good, for your welfare, not for your calamity. God wants you to know the fullness of his blessing, but you can't just sit there and receive it. You must move forward in strength and courage. You cannot sound retreat and go back to the way you used to live because the way you used to live is no good. God is undefeated. He's better than any undefeated football team or undefeated Olympian or anybody. He has never lost a battle. If he goes before you, he will be with you also. The third heading I want you to take notice of is the primacy of God's word. Number three, the primacy of God's word. God tells Joshua in verse 7, Only be strong and very courageous. If you're courageous, you are very courageous. God intensifies what he said in verse 6. It is of primary importance In the face of difficulty and adversity, he tells them how it will be lived out in their lives. The word of God has to be at the center of our lives. And God says to Joshua, be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded. Be careful. Observe the word of God. I'm kind of a people watcher. I like to watch people, whether it's at a football game or an event. I like to see how people act and stuff like that. I I observe. But you can pick up a lot just sitting there and watching, right? And God says, be careful to observe the Word of God. Keep your heart riveted. Keep your eyes glued on the Word of God. The path to prosperity and success is through the Word of God. We are to always be filtering whatever we are going through in life. And this next Five, six weeks with Thanksgiving and Christmas can be some of the most depressing time for people. Direct them to the Word of God. Direct yourself to the Word of God because it gives life. It strengthens us. It gives us courage for the day. It gives us courage for the week and the months ahead. It gives us courage and strength for our lives. And then that verse in verse 7 says, Do not turn from the right or the left. The tendency when you go into a new land 
that has been given is to become squeezed into the mold of the culture or society. You need to refuse worldly wisdom. We are not to be pushed here and there by the waves of the world's philosophies or tossed here and there by doc, uh, uh, doctrine that's going to take us away. Stay on course with the word of God. If you stay on the path of scripture, it will lead to victory every time. And then verse 7 ends with, so that you may have success wherever you go. Could this be true for my life? Could this be true for your life? What is your definition of success? What is the word of God's definition of success? Is this passage only for leaders like Joshua who are military leaders? This is a timeless principle for today. Even whatever has been taught in the word of God is for us. So how do you define success? Well, success through the word of God is knowing and doing the will of God. No more or no less from a proper heart motivated by his grace. If you follow the path for you laid out in scripture and you do it with a willing heart to bring glory to God, you will have unrivaled success in your spiritual life. Turn with me to Psalm 1. We're kind of all over in the Word of God, which is how it should be. But go ahead and turn to Psalm 1. And I'm just going to read through the first uh, three verses here. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. Do you notice in verse 1 the downward spiral of those who are, that are wicked? First they're walking, and then they're standing, and then they're sitting. They've been stopped. They're walking, standing, and then they're finally sitting. But the man who does the will of God, who delights in the law of the Lord, and in his law meditates day and night, in whatever he does, it says in the last part of verse 3, whatever he does, he, he prospers. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. Um, if you've ever been on the North Overlook at the Scotchwood National Monument, you've looked to the west and you're trying to see Laramie Peak, but you look down and see where the river's flowing. Well, in the state of Nebraska, or the western Nebraska here, um, I grew up in the east where everything seems to be green and it just grows because of all the humidity in the air. It's one of the reasons why I like western Nebraska so much. But if you look down at the river from that North Overlook, where is it the greenest in the spring? Where is it the greenest, where all the trees are, where all the brush? Um, it's the greenest by the water. And so they receive the water and the nourishment from there. And the farther away you get from the water, it becomes more brown. I kept on saying browner. Uh, more brown. Okay? And I love how God makes his word come alive through his creation. You know, we have to, yeah, we, we have to take water from the river from the reservoirs in Wyoming to irrigate land here. It's not as natural. I, hardly is there any center pivots in eastern Nebraska, but there's a lot out here, you know. We have to do a lot of irrigating. 
But it's just a wonderful illustration of, of God's uh, faithfulness and what happens when we are drinking from that living water that is God's word. The word of God is living and active, as it says in Hebrews 4.12. It is, cuts to the soul, it pierces to the soul. Just as it's speaking to the word being living and active, when we think about our friends who are lost and don't know God, it is also living and active in each of our lives. It convicts us of sin. It gives us direction in how to live. Let's turn back to um, Joshua 1. And I promise we'll stay there, okay? All right. Verse 8 says, this book of the law. What is he talking about here? This is generous Genesis to Deuteronomy. Jesus quoted from Deuteronomy more than any other book. And then he says, this book of the law shall not depart. You should be so full of the word of God in your mouth and your heart that God's truth are coming out when you speak. For Joshua, it means he must lead with, he must give direction with, he must teach with, he must encourage with, he must exhort with, he must comfort and rebuke with the word of God. Joshua really doesn't have anything to say apart from the word of God. Because if he says anything that's not connected to the word, it's not going to help the people that he's leading. I love what Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, said about John Bunyan, the great Puritan preacher. He said, cut him anywhere and he bleeds bibline. Meaning that he was so full of the word of God, he had been studying it so much, and he had meditated it on it day and night when he rose, when he went to bed. He was in the word of God so much, if you would have cut him, the word of God would come out. It was, he was all engrossed in it. When the Bible speaks, God speaks. The rudder of our life, the compass of our life should be the word of God. So dads, lead your family with the word of God. Teachers, instruct with the word of God. Counselors, counsel with the word of God. Every time we worship, we are to sing the truths of the word of God. If you're here today and you were worshiping in those first 30 minutes, you, you heard the word of God reflected in, in the music. It brought us to worship. It's one of the things we need to do when we come together corporately is to worship together. Besides coming together and encouraging one another, we were created for God's glory, but the other aspect of that, one of the uh, responsibilities we have as believers in Christ is to encourage one another. And how do we encourage one another? Is through the word of God. And then it says in verse 8, you shall meditate on it day and night. This means to think long and hard about it. Let your mind be saturated with the word of God, just as it was for John Bunyan. Contemplate it, appropriate it, apply it, absorb it, squeeze more inside out of it. Have it on ready recall, understand it more deeply. Be like that old-time miner that was in the, in the mountain stream that he's panning for gold. He's trying to get those, those nuggets that are worth a lot of value, those gold nuggets. It's the same when you get into the word of God and you dig and study and you practice that. You grow and you get those gold nuggets from the word of God. Jesus responded in Matthew 4 when he was tempted by the devil. What did he say? It is written. His mind was saturated with the word of God. For each temptation, he had a specific verse. 
We must own the word of God. The word must govern our lives. When I was discipled in college after I'd gotten saved, uh, I was discipled by a Navigators Campus Ministry, a guy that was on staff, and every week we memorized two scripture. And Joshua 1.8 was one of those. It ingrained in me. It was uh, thumped on over me (laughs) with Having the word of God, do not let it depart from your mouth. Meditate on a day and night. It should be everything to you. It says in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7, it talks about uh, when, when you arise and when you go to bed, it should be um, on your mind. And then verse, the end of verse 8 says, So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. We are to be fixed with a singular vision on the word of God. Success in our life is dependent on our obedience from the heart of the word. So how important is your obedience to the word of God? It will define your success in your life, success in your life. I understand that we are, none of us are perfect, but as we grow in holiness and sanctification, our lives become more like Christ. If you Proclaim Christ, if you call yourself a a believer in Christ, if you call yourself a Christian, you are saying you are a follower of Christ. You're wanting to be like Christ. No, you're not trying to be like a God or trying to be Jesus, but you're trying to be like Christ. Why do we want to be like Christ? So that we we can bring others to Christ, we can live our lives before Christ. You know the old saying about, uh, the Bible is, some, for some people, the Bi- us Christians are the only Bible that people ever see. Well, sooner or later, you're going to have to use words. You can be an example, but you're going to have to use words, and those words should be the word of God and his truth. Well, the fourth heading and the last heading is number four, the power of God's authority. And this is found in verse 9. And God says, have I not commanded you? Well, it's not like he doesn't have the answer. He's God. He's trying to remind Joshua, have I not commanded you? Yes, he has. This is, not, this is a rhetorical question. Does, that, does God not have the authority to direct your life? That is an implied yes. Second Timothy 1.7 talks about that God did not give us a spirit of timidity but of power and love and discipline. How do we find strength and courage? We can find it because we know, and in verse 9 it says, the Lord your God is with you. He goes before you to lead you. He walks beside you to encourage you. He comes behind you to protect you. He comes under you to uphold you. He is over you to shield you. This is the sufficiency of God in your life. God is more than enough. You don't need anything else. And he is with you wherever you go. He is with you in the workplace. He is with you at the hospital. He is with you at the funeral home. He is with you in the storms of the life, in your lives. He is in the valleys. He's in the trials of life. God is wherever you go to give you strength and courage and peace. His courage allows us to live powerfully and triumphantly. And the only way we can live powerfully and triumphantly is by the word of God. It has to be our, our foundation. Anything else is like sand. We're just, it's just going to wash us away. Well, I wanted to share a video. 
Because there are men who have gone ahead of us, have lived before us, and have died before us um, to give us the word of God in our language. Give, give common man, as we are, the word of God. And this is a, a video, a five-minute video, about William Tyndale. And he's just one of many of the reformers of, of theologians slash preachers from the 1500s and the 1600s that went before us, that stood for the truth and championed it and were persecuted and suffered and died for it. So I just want to share this video. Besides the beauty of England that you'll see, you'll see uh, men who, who uh, championed the truth. The religious rulers of that day in the 1500s didn't want the common man to have the word of God. Parents couldn't teach their children uh, a simple, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, it was only in Latin, and it was only for um, the church in Rome and the priests and the bishops, and so the common people couldn't have it. And people such as William Tyndale were being burned at the stake because they were giving, they were translating the word into English and giving the, the word to the common man. So let's uh, go ahead and take some time and watch this five-minute video. And then we'll pray. The 16th century was populated by some of the greatest minds in religious history. Luther, Calvin, Zwingli, Knox, Latimer, Ridley, Cramner. And sitting comfortably amongst this group of luminaries was William Tyndale, translator of the English Bible. Tyndale was born in Gloucestershire in 1494 in a small village called North Nibley, marked today by this monument overlooking the village. He was educated at Oxford and completed his BA in 1512 and his MA in 1515 before coming here to Cambridge University where he met Dutch scholar Erasmus who was teaching Greek. Tyndale wanted to translate the Bible into English but no one in England was willing to undertake such a daring task. Since 1408, the Oxford Commission had forbidden the translation of the Bible into the English language, even prohibiting its use in the training curriculum for preachers. Cochalius, a notorious papal theologian, had this perspective. The New Testament translated into the language of the people is in truth the food of death, the fuel of sin, the veil of malice, the pretext of false liberty, the protection of disobedience, the corruption of discipline, the depravity of morals, the termination of concord, the death of honesty, the wellspring of vices, the disease of virtue, the instigation of rebellion, the milk of pride, the nourishment of contempt, the death of peace, the destruction of charity, the enemy of unity, the murderer of truth. Immersed in such a climate, Tyndale encountered a learned friend 
who said, we were better without God's laws than the Pope's. To which Tyndale responded, I defy the Pope and all his laws. If God spare my life ere many years, I will cause a boy that driveth the plow shall know more of the scriptures than thou doest. Forbidden to work in England, Tyndale traveled through Europe, from Hamburg to Cologne to Worms to Antwerp, using the Greek and Hebrew texts to craft a masterpiece of the English language. Time and time again, the papacy tried to stop his work, but the Lord watched over his servant. One account tells us how the Bishop of Durham, seeking to hinder his work, bought all his Bibles, but this merely provided him with the money he needed to produce a larger number of better quality Bibles. Tyndale contributed as much to the scholarship of English literature as Shakespeare and Chaucer, producing many of the translations of the Bible that we use today. In fact, much of the King James Bible produced 60 years later was taken almost verbatim from Tyndale's Bible. Phrases such as, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. O death, where is thy sting? And seek ye first. All these came from William Tyndale. Today, there are two remaining copies of Tyndale's Bible, one of which is here in the British Library purchased for one million pounds and accessible to view free of charge. Sadly, Tyndale was betrayed by Henry Phillips in Antwerp, who feigned friendship in order to gain Tyndale's trust and betrayed him to guards as he was leaving his house. He was taken to a castle in Vilvoorde, Belgium, condemned as a heretic, strangled and burned to death in 1536. His last words were, Lord, open the king of England's eyes. Within one year of his death, a Bible was placed in every parish church throughout the whole of England by order of the king. The poignant Christian song tells us, martyr's blood stains each page. They have died for this faith. Hear them cry through the years. Oh, hear these words and hold them dear. The word of God has come to us at such great cost. May we not treat it flippantly, haphazardly, but may we treasure it and commit to study and share God's word each day. Well, that is a, uh, a YouTube channel called Lineage, L-I-N-E-A-G-E. Um, they have a lot of those five-minute videos on the early church fathers and just the price and sacrifice that was paid so that we could have what we have in the Word of God. Um, was William Tyndale strong and courageous? Yes. Um, there are many stories of other men who proclaimed the truth that wanted to teach the full counsel of God, and they were paraded through their own little villages by the religious ruling class of that day. Um, to mock them and to uh, intimidate the people that were uh, under that preacher's um, uh, church to intimidate them, and they were burned at the stake. The, the other story about Wint Tyndale is that uh, there is even a bag of gunpowder put around his neck, so when the flames came up from his feet and singed his hands and got the, uh, the gun, uh, 
ignited the gunpowder around his neck that he was blown to pieces. And that was supposedly supposed to get rid of um, the word of God and its effect in people's lives. People were getting saved and, and the religious ruling class was being threatened and feeling threatened. So they were doing this uh, to these preachers, these reformers, theologians. Well, let's go ahead and pray, and then you'll be dismissed. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your word. Your word is truth. It gives us strength. It gives us courage. It gives us the ability to stand firm in the face of adversity, to stand firm uh, in the face of calamity through um, loss of life in our families, through um, difficulty and through adversity. Thank you for your word does give life. It is living and active. And I thank you for that, God. And Lord, I pray as we go away from here today that the word of God will be our foundation. I pray that we will live by it according to it, that it will be our strength and it will give us courage. I pray these things in your name. Amen. And you're dismissed.